Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. All right, welcome back, you guys. This is the sister episode to my habituation curve episode. So if you didn't listen to that one yet, then definitely hit pause go back and listen to that one. It's not totally necessary, but it does give you more context for the big picture of how all of this stuff takes place in the context of just your anxiety and, and behavior change, really. So this episode is going to be all about why things get worse before they actually get better. And I think this is really relevant for a lot of people because whether we're parents or trying to change our own behavior or we're in treatment or therapy trying to change behavior, we typically go into these situations thinking sometimes that it's just going to be this really straightforward process. I have this goal. I know how to make it happen. And sometimes, a lot of times, as I'm going to explain here, things actually get worse before they get better. And I just want people to be prepared for the behavioral processes that are actually going on when they change behaviors of some kind, because I don't want people to go into some behavioral change kind of process and think that it's just going to be this linear experience where I put in the work and things get easier. That's not necessarily always the case. And today I'm going to explain why. So I think by knowing sometimes that things can get worse before they get better, it'll just better prepare you for going into these difficult situations where, like I said, you're either a parent and you're working with a child trying to change a challenging behavior, or you're working on something more so for yourself. Just knowing what's happening can be really helpful in helping you stick it out for the long run through that difficult process. So that difficult process that I will talk about pretty much this entire episode is called an extinction burst. And it's something that you probably have already experienced today in some subtle way. It happens to all of us all the time. Basically, an extinction burst is when you see a temporary increase in the behavior due to no longer reinforcing it. It's really relevant for OCD and anxiety and in that community for sure, because in treatment, we're having those individuals reduce safety behaviors or compulsions and rituals and essentially trying to stop them from reinforcing their urges and their anxiety, right? So this is extinction burst is definitely going to happen for that community if they're changing behaviors. And I see it happening all the time as a therapist. Things usually, we see an increase in their behaviors. We see an increase in their urges or their anxiety right when we start to assign exposures or right, right when we start to get into the treatment. It just gets worse for them. It feels more severe and more anxiety-provoking. And then eventually things get better and settle off onto a baseline. So it's also relevant, like I said to moms, kids go through this all the time when it comes to challenging behaviors, when we say no to things that they want, so on and so forth, and really just any negative behavior that you're wanting to change. I read initially about extinction bursts 
in graduate school when I worked on a treatment intervention for the family members of people who hoard, which was super cool and super interesting. I'll have to do another podcast episode on that one day. But essentially, the intervention part of it was called Family as Motivators Training. And we used some education, first and foremost, to talk to them about an extinction burst. So again, the extinction burst is this idea that once you stop reinforcing something, then you see a temporary increase in that. So again, it was almost a warning to these family members. Again, I worked with the family members of people who experienced really strong hoarding behaviors. And so we warned the family members that basically once they were going to try to stop the hoarding behaviors, they would see a temporary increase in those behaviors. Once they stopped throwing things out for their family member who hoarded, once they stopped going to yard yard sales with these individuals, once they stopped cleaning for these individuals, they were going to see a temporary increase in that hoarding behavior. If you've ever seen hoarders on TV, the, the television show, you know this happens. You've seen it happen. So usually when these individuals, and it's not just hoarding, it's just a good example that I think a lot of people can say that they've seen before, especially on TV. Usually when these individuals are put to that boundary of needing to throw away items and that family members won't be any longer accommodating them in some way, the individuals who who hoard, they really struggle and they usually exhibit some type of extinction versus behavior like yelling or making demands or straight up just isolating and avoiding and making threats to the family members sometimes. By the end of the episode, obviously, usually the person comes around and this is what happens in day-to-day life for people too. So this is just a basic learning principle for behaviors. It's not particular to mental health, like I've said, not particular to kids who have high emotions. It's just how behaviors work, period. And it also works with positive behaviors too. So First example that I will illustrate for you guys, just think about it if you were trying to train a dog with a bone to paw, so to give for the dog to give you his paw. So if the dog sits and then you ask for a paw and he gives you the paw, you're going to give him a bone, right? So especially to help that dog learn that behavior, you're going to pair the bone and the paw again and again. You're going to do it repetitively and immediately until he learns that behavior. Now, you're not going to give him the bone forever because it's not good and it's not even the best reinforcement schedule for it. But eventually, you're going to take away the bone. What's the dog going to do? You're going to say paw and you're not going to give the bone. And let's, so you don't, he doesn't get the response out of you that he's typically getting, right? So he's going to say, what the heck? And he's going to keep pawing you. And he might even give you the other paw or both paws and just maybe scratch your face. So he's going to try, essentially, he didn't get the bone that he's used to getting. So he's just trying to elevate that behavior, do it again and again, and be like, what the heck? I'm giving you my paw. Why aren't you responding to me the way you normally do? And it's the same thing, but with behavior, negative behaviors too. So big example here that's going to resonate with a lot of you is just children's tantrums. So Eli loves donuts. This is the example that I use in a clinical setting all the time. So Eli loves donuts. Let's say that every time he asks for a donut, I say yes, and I give him a donut. All of a sudden, I take him to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician says, no, you should probably not give him donuts every time that he asks for it. So next time we go to the grocery store, let's say he asks for a donut because he sees them in the aisle. I say, no, honey, we're not getting any donuts right now. Let's just continue shopping. That's not going to work out, right? Like, 
he's not going to be like, oh, okay, that sounds good. He's going to start to ask for more. He's going to then start to whine and pout and cry and throw a temper tantrum. This is the extinction burst, you guys. If any of this is resonating with you right now, then you need to check out the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint. The OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint is my no-holds-barred, real talk, three-part course for action takers who want to gain control over their OCD and anxiety and take their freaking life back. It is truly recovery like you've never seen before. I made this OCD and anxiety recovery blueprint because I was sick of the same old vanilla recycled mental health content on social media, on the internet, and I wanted to raise the bar. I wanted to create a world where people could recover for good with or without a therapist. So the OCD and anxiety recovery blueprints, you could get it all together. It's over 100 videos, over 35 hours of content, but you could also get one of its three courses. So we have the foundation, which is level one. This is where you will lay the groundwork for your recovery journey and truly step into your therapist role and realize ultimately how simple all of this can be when you commit to the process. Then level two, we have the transformation. This is where you would learn how to prevent rituals, including mental compulsions, dismantling all those other compulsions that really, really trouble you. You will come to understand that behaviors and mental compulsions are yours to control and never the other way around. Then we have the end game. This is where you will bulletproof your recovery no matter what exposures or challenges cross your path. I want you to take your life back into your own hands so OCD has nothing against you. If you want to learn more about the OCD and Anxiety Recovery Blueprint, just go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the link in my show notes. I don't do vanilla. I don't do what's your subtype. I rip open the freaking curtains and take you into the inner workings of my mind and education so you can know this as well as I do. So again, to learn more about the blueprint, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash blueprint or head to the show notes and click the link below. So it's just a temporary increase of the behavior since I'm no longer reinforcing it. It's a temporary increase in the quote-unquote asking behavior because I'm no longer reinforcing the asking behavior by giving into it with a donut. So it's just times a million, right? So sometimes you may give into the, the tantrum because it's just too distressing for you. You're in the middle of the grocery store. It's just awful. You don't, you feel like you're going to, it's going to be this way forever. And if you're like any parent, sometimes you give in to the peak of that tantrum, and that's not good because now you've just created this whole new association, this whole new threshold that this behavior of tantruming is what needs to happen to get the desired outcome of the donut. And so obviously it's hard to sit through that tantrum or to sit through any extinction burst, but what eventually happens is it does come down naturally. So if you listen to the previous episode on the habituation curve, you know that anxiety comes down naturally. Feelings don't stay that way forever. And you know why. And if you listen to that episode, you also know the process behind all that. So again, check out that episode. But I will get into another example here. And I'll do one about a child who has social anxiety about presentations too. So again, that habituation curve is going on. The extinction burst is going to be when my son is really freaking out over the donuts. I said, no, he's having a temper tantrum. That's that temporary increase in the behavior. And eventually he's going to tantrum for a while. He's going to tantrum for a while. He'll plateau, have his tantrum, and then eventually that will come down on its own. And that's the best thing that could happen. So moral of the story there is 
trying to wait out the storm, right? So whether it's a situation like I mentioned with the hoarding situation or a child's tantrum, knowing that the extinction burst is going to be associated with this temporary increase in the behavior. So things are going to get worse before they get better, but they plateau and they do get better. So I'm going to do another example and we're going to do just a kid or a teenager who has social anxiety about presentations. So for their rituals, they, let's say they reassurance from their teachers about how they did. And they may even ask their fellow classmates how they did. Now, for whatever reason, they're wanting to change that behavior, whether it's just for themselves or they're seeing that other people are pointing it out to them as being an issue, or maybe they're in treatment and they're trying to work on it with exposures. So suddenly they're going to stop. They're going to give a presentation and, and they're not going to ask reassurance from their teachers about how they did, not going to ask fellow classmates. And initially, they're going to be even more anxious about their presentation. So they give the presentation, they stop reinforcing that anxiety by asking about it. Boom. They're going to experience that extinction burst. Their anxiety and uncertainty about that presentation is going to increase. So they're going to have maybe even increased urges to ask about it. But if they sit with it, and they hold out and they continue resisting those behaviors, then they'll see that anxiety naturally comes down on its own. And those urges go away like itches that you can't scratch. So it's not like it's going to be there forever. It's going to feel probably like it will be there forever, but it won't. It plateaus and it comes down. This is tricky because in treatment, this contributes to people sometimes feeling like what they're doing isn't working. Someone comes into treatment, let's say, especially when it comes to exposure and response prevention, they're given all of these assignments and it sounds counterintuitive to them already, but I start to give them these assignments and they're recognizing that all of a sudden, either during an exposure or just overall, their anxiety and their urges are actually going up. They're having more frequent intrusive thoughts. They're having more vivid experiences. And so they're more anxious. They have more urges to engage in these things. And they may take that as some kind of idea that this treatment isn't working, that it's actually making me worse. I don't want to be here. It happens all the time. And it's just not true. Like I, I've mentioned before, the extinction burst is really just what you have to act when you are changing a behavior that has typically been reinforced for a very long time. So anytime that someone comes into treatment, anytime someone is wanting to change a behavior, anytime that I'm wanting to challenge one of Eli's behaviors as a parent, I always expect them to go through this process where there's this really intense increase in the undesired behavior because I'm going to try to no longer reinforce it. Like I said, too, it's relevant with other mental health concerns. So think about it in terms of quitting smoking or quitting drinking or really any other negative behavior. Once you stop reinforcing those cravings and you're not smoking them away anymore or drinking them away anymore, you're going to likely experience a temporary increase in those urges and cravings for some time. Think about it with any type of diet or any type of food that you have to eliminate. I know so many women who in their third trimester of pregnancy, especially with like gestational diabetes, they were not allowed to have certain foods and it's like, suddenly now because they're not allowed to have it, they want it. So that's an extinction burst. So um, just to, to know that it's coming, to know that it's part of the learning and behavioral processes that are at work as far as behavior change goes. So people may interpret this experience as though their behaviors aren't going to change, that the changing of the behaviors isn't worth it, that it's not working. But don't worry, it definitely is. 
the extinction burst is just a sign that habituation is just around the corner. That decrease in your anxiety and in your urges is just around the corner. And it happens even just like with our cars. So think about it as far as if you were to go into your car and you turn on the ignition, right? So you like put your car keys in and the car turns on. We do that all the time. We are very well aware that generally when we turn our car on by turning the car, like putting the key in the ignition and turning it, the car turns on. So let's say that suddenly we put the keys in same way that we always have done it and it doesn't start. What do we do? We continue to try, right? Like we don't just give up. We don't just like, okay, cool. I guess there's something wrong with my car. You continue to turn your car key. You continue to push it even harder. You turn it and you turn it and suddenly start looking all over the place for what could be wrong. And you may yell at your car or bang on the steering wheel. It's just this explosive kind of outburst of behaviors that are a more dramatic form of the initial behavior because we're no longer being reinforced for it. There you go. That's the extinction burst. With that said, if you are a nerd like me, then you just like to know how behaviors work and that's awesome. And now you know how these things work. You know what's going on with your brain, how all the processes work, how your brain learns various things. Second, if you're a therapist or a loved one of someone who is releasing and changing some type of behavior and expecting change, just be patient and know that this extinction burst is not only likely to happen, but it's a sign of progress. It's a sign that progress is right around the corner and that what you're doing is working. So make sure they stay the course and make sure that you stay the course as a parent or a loved one or a therapist, whether that's continuing to provide the treatment, to continue holding a boundary, to keep saying no, whatever. Third, if you're someone who's struggling with a situation when you're changing a behavior or experiencing an extinction burst, know that this is likely and that it also will pass. So just because things get worse before they get better doesn't mean that it will always stay that way. In fact, it's just your brain's way of beginning to rewire everything and it will eventually come down and get better on its own. You really just need the willingness and the patience in order to let that happen. I hope this information served you. Feel free to DM me if you have any questions or if you just want to work through some example together. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.